At Utility Muffin Labs, we are dedicated to accommodating our consumer clients with uncontrived, austere, generalized, and adequate snack-based comestible muffin provisions for your cafeteria or common staff member gathering areas. We refrain from overt decorative adornment that can foment jobholder chaos and sedition. A saccharine workforce is a productive workforce. Procure your necessary muffin repository by visiting us at utilitymuffinlabs.com, on Facebook at Utility Muffin Labs, on Twitter at 25 Years of VTM, or Utility Muffins, all one word, on Instagram at Utility Muffin Labs, one word. Support the labs on Patreon at patreon.com slash 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, and finally, adorn your human form with our t-shirts at tpublic.com slash users slash Utility Muffin Labs. Utility Muffin Labs, think homogenous. is 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, a retrospective podcast brought to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Welcome to another episode of 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. This is a little bit loud. I'm going to turn it down just a tiny bit and then I'll adjust later because that's how I do. Welcome everybody. And uh, I am Nathan. And I am Bob. And I apologize for the stutter step start, because fuck it, man, what are you going to do? Um, anyways, welcome. Today we're going to be giving you a backhanded treat, which is we're going to review three books. But the reason why we're going to do three books is because, in, in our opinion, in my opinion, and in Bob's opinion, none of these three books warrant a full hour's worth of review. And there's a number of reasons for that for each different book. You're going to hear all of them. Now, uh, we're going to start with World of Darkness Hong Kong, a World of Darkness source book for Vampire the Masquerade, as it says on the front. And then, of course, we're going to jump into Vampire the Masquerade, the revised edition rule book, full, full rules, you know, everything you need to get started with a revised edition. And then the very tiny, and some would say also significant, Vampire Storyteller's Companion. It's kind of like, ah, we couldn't fit this in the book based on the presses. <laughs> so here's the last, you know, 60 or 70 pages. It's a thin book, but yeah. it's, it's, it's good content. It's small, but yeah, it's, you know, it's good content. But first, we're going to start with some questions. I mean, you know, I'm scanning my email, my Twitters, my, my Facebooks. <laughs> and uh, we got a couple of questions. Uh, the first one is, I, I, I fear I'm going to put you on the spot here, but it's mostly going to be something that you are going to have to answer just by my lack of knowledge really in oh, in the in the material i better sit up uh so the first question comes from dave ratledge hey guys my wife and i are going to start playing vampire requiem and i was hoping that you could answer some questions or give some advice i have a lot of experience with rpgs we are old so i started playing D when it had only been out for a few years my wife however has never played uh, i have never played any of the white wolf games except the first masquerade video game is there a chance that y'all could do a podcast for beginners of requiem in addition to that request could you give some advice on storytelling a single player campaign i appreciate the podcast uh it gives me a lot of ideas thanks for taking the time to read my email now i'll I'll start like at some point we're going to do requiem based podcasts however that's not really what we're doing now um we do anticipate in the somewhat near future doing a review on the second ad release of requiem but the reason why I kind of was like, I'm going to throw Bob under the bus. I've never story told Requiem. <laughs> I know Requiem in so far as I've played two characters in the entirety of the game, and I've read some of the fiction. So basically, my knowledge is nil. It's, it's what yours is. You probably know more than me. But um, we can still address, like, give them some ideas, you know? For sure, for sure. Um, to start, we got to understand what Requiem is compared to Vampire the Masquerade. They're not just titles, right? Vampire the Masquerade revolves heavily around the Silence of the Blood or the Masquerade, the first tradition, right? Mortals shall not know about the existence of kindred. That's a theme throughout everything. No matter if you're Sabat Anarch, Camarilla, don't matter. It's all about that, right? You're these hidden society of vampires. Requiem gives two fucks about the Silence of the Blood because it's a different animal. So how I put that 
look at Masquerade as more of like a social experiment into how Requiem is going to get developed. It's the best way I can put it because Requiem is everything. If you're passionate about Vampire the Masquerade, Requiem is where you're going to sing because there's going to be a lot of things that resonate with what you're hungry for. In particular, Requiem for those ma- for um, those vampires is about their personal experience, what they're going through. Um, they give a lot of a lot of themes in their books to it as well. And what it means is it's more personal. It's a personal, horrific experience no matter what. And that kind of ties into your next question, how to run a one-player game for it. kind of speaks itself. Um, for instance, as you read like their main book, which I believe they start in Chicago as well, as they use it, it's a theme with White Wolf, thank you, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Requiem uh, dives into the fact that there's a thing called the Predator's Taint off the bat. And what it is, is where in Vampire to Masquerade, you have the beast, everyone has a beast, blah, 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 blah. You can't immediately tell a vampire's a vampire in Masquerade. You got to know a skill. You got to know the signs to look for. They get rid of that with the Predator's Taint and Requiem. In Requiem, it's instinctive. It says, if I walk into the room and there's another predator on my territory, and I could see them, smell them, hear them, instinctively, this Predator's Taint kicks in. And in between the two of us, we know which one of us is greater of blood meaning uh, more potent. Right, more powerful, perhaps. Exactly. And this creates a whole lot of freedom for players. Like, if you're listening right now and going every online game I've ever played, every live-action game I ever got, there's always an uncomfortable, useless portion where it's like, we got to pretend we don't know we're vampires. Right. We're in a club, and I'm going to pretend I don't know you're a pale-faced killer. Hello, I'm a pale-faced killer right here. Right. right? We're of the same clan. Did I not see you not have a reflection anywhere? Same as me? Oh, right, well, then right. you're a Lissandra. Metagame, metagame. And it's like, it's ridiculous. You know what I mean? Requiem goes, yeah, Jack, that's not the fear. Right. The fear is, did the elder, just the, the more experienced killer or potent killer, just walk into the room? And instinctively, I, I either flee, I either want to flee, and I fight that feeling to not give away whether or not he's greater. Although they already know. That's right. the point. And so that's just like one of the things. It's a more... What am, I, what am I trying to say here? If uh, help me out with this, if I seem if I lose you, but the fact is, is that the romance of vampire is in Requiem. Right, that's where it lives. Whereas the more technical, mechanical BS that you get kind of get can get mired in if you don't know it well enough exists in Masquerade. Right. Well, I think too that one thing that you're going to find in a major difference between Vampire the Masquerade and Vampire Requiem is that it's it, it, number one, it's very different. It takes very interesting ideas from the masquerade and it adopts them to this new world. Now, one of the messages that I got from a listener and we thank you, we appreciate it was oh, Requiem sucks. Now I'm going to go on record here and I'm going to state for everyone listening. Neither of us think Requiem sucks at all, at all, at all. Now we, we love this game, right? We have the same nostalgia that everyone else has, but if you objectively compare what Requiem is with what Vampire the Masquerade is, and this is just a statement of opinion from us to you, Requiem is a better product. It is a better written, better developed, better ironed out product. Now, you're going to think, well, why didn't sell as good? I got you. Real easy. It's a story old as time. Why does Coke compete with Pepsi? Right. Because it's smattered all over your screen. That's what, in other words, it's everywhere. Right. So Vampire the Masquerade was out longer. It was everywhere. And yeah. Everybody knew those rules it, it, inside. It's now. a much more, I think, ingrained societal thing. We are, as kind of a dork culture, we are mired in nostalgia. We stomp our boots in the mud and we don't move them. But conversely, Requiem comes out. And I often like to say, Vampire got you interested. Requiem keeps you. Right. That's how it works. You'll eventually get there. You may think it sucks because it's more work, and that's the number one thing. Whenever I hear somebody say Requiem sucks, I always define it as, okay, you didn't read. If you read, you didn't apply, and there's something you didn't understand. And if you read and applied and didn't get it, it may be the group you're with. Because there's a level of maturity you have to have in playing these games, and Masquerade gave you options. We had a smattering of clans you could be. Everybody could be their own unique snowflake. You can get in, and there right. it is. And it was, and it was not difficult to do. Now, I want to, I want to make a statement too. And again, this is all based on opinion. 
when I say that Requiem is a better product, I don't mean that Requiem is better than right. Vampire the Masquerade. I think that the way it's developed and the way it's presented is better. However, that was done intentionally. That's not to say Vampire the Masquerade is an inferior product. They're different games, right? They are different games. One ended, another one started, and it doesn't seem to have been as popular as maybe White Wolf would have wanted. It didn't catch like wildfire, and I really truly think that's because you have... From 1992 to, what, 2001, 2002, somewhere around there, where people have lived with this game, this system, this fiction, this sort of meta plot, and it seems like White Wolf was just like, "Eh, all right, we're done with that, that's over, peace out, now we're going to go over here and we're going to rewrite everything you know, and there's going to be familiar elements, but it's not the same, and people were like, I don't want to learn all that stuff. I like what I know already. And I want to keep that. And that's exactly what that is, what I was trying to say. It's, it's called the great disconnect. Um, do I say Masquerade is bad? I, don't, I won't ever say it's bad. I think it's simple by comparison to Requiem. I think the complexity of Requiem draws you in, gives you more to deal with. There's more meat to what you're playing. I think the the fact that they condense the clans into progenitor lines and then later on expand on them because right. we, like Requiem does something really cool with the Embrace. I could get killed by a vampire and come back through odd means. Right. And that's my story, is how I became into the requiem of being a vampire. Right. And it would seem to me, again, I haven't read every piece of information for requiem. I wouldn't call myself an expert at all. But it seems to me that requiem creates a scenario for more imaginative role play. Yes. And it takes focus off of the, all right, I'm 13th gen. I need to diabolize down to 8th gen so I can blow three blood a turn. So I can get, you know, level five, whatever, you know, follow the logic. They added a brilliant mechanic that made sense. Generation is just how long you've been awake. Right. It's how much blood. Because they they basically point out that your vampire has been living for centuries drinking this blood. Eventually, you can hold and drink more of it. Right. It's condensing. But then that's the sign of your beast taking more and more of a hold of you. And it's not that you don't have a sliding scale of humanity. You definitely do. Right. Uh, But the fact is, is that that's an indicator that you need to rest. And uh, not to get too mired up and too long in Requiem, which is a game we're not reviewing. But, but I am trying not. to answer his question. Yeah, right. But, um, and, and I'm, I'm kind of touching on that, too. Um, I was going to make a point, and now I don't remember what it is. So, <laughs> it's uh, probably honestly, my fault. Yeah, it's totally your fault. <laughs> but, to his, but to his question, um, how to do a one-player game. Like, like, like Nate said, to answer a Requiem question is really rough because tips for it, right? Right. I say the number one tip, read the base book, be comfortable talking about it in a conversation. Right. Make sure the most important thing of a teacher is to be a cheerleader, right? That's what it is. And it means, what does a cheerleader mean? It means be cool and open and awesome and make it a fun environment to learn something that's going to go for, it's going to do you service in terms of something new like Requiem. The other thing is, is that if you're coming from D&D to Requiem, you need to get comfortable right. understanding a storytelling system versus a sort of module-based system. Right. That's a definite reality. And you're going to see terms. Like Requiem has something where you can write up a scene. They have templates that will help you with that. I can write up a scene. I could, I could show what I wanted to do. But then basically they go dumb it down to three things, three plot points that you want to happen in this overall scene. But keep it loose enough to where the player doesn't know, to where they're still writing in here as well with the experience they're going to have. And in that, you collectively co-storytell, basically, that cool narrative scene. Now, that ties in with a one-player experience. With one player, you can have a phenomenal game. You can do things that nobody with multiple players can do. First and foremost, you can actually have them make just a mortal. Right, right. right. Live a life a little bit, moving about, and you get to play the creep that's stalking them to bring them into the society. And I say creep because they're vampires. They're not good people. Right. There's no Saint Vampiricus here to bless the world with immortality. So you got to, you know, read those societies and know about them and kind of gauge based on the mortal they make, what vampire families going to bring them into the fold. And once that's done, you can do the sire-child relationship. If the other hasn't read the book and doesn't understand vampire, but you do, it's, it's an even better experience because you get to educate them, quote unquote, the right way. Right. I, I think it's really important for people that are new players like new players always have this mentality well like i don't know the rules like i I don't i don't know if i want to play because i haven't read the book and i don't know the rules right this is one of the games and most of white wolf's material where you not knowing the rules or you not knowing the setting the environment that you're going to be in 
can lead to a very awesome experience because you're going to make a character that's going to learn. Right. So while your character is learning the world, you're learning the world too. You're learning it through fresh eyes. It is not the player's job to know the rules. There's a storyteller's job is to know the rules. You're like a ref to know what they can and cannot do to paint that picture. Right. To help them be the fictitious character that nobody is. Right. But you're taking the thankless job to learn all that so they don't have to. Right. And uh, the last thing that I would say as a storyteller that will help you out immensely, find some of the fiction revolving around, uh, you know, the world of darkness, uh, whatever, what are they calling it now? The Chronicles of Darkness. Uh, they, they, they change. It's not new world of darkness anymore. I, I apologize for stumbling through that, but whatever it is that you're going to be running, find fiction that is, you know, written and authorized by the company that's making it because it's going to help you get a feel for the world that you're going to run that maybe just reading a core rule book won't get across to you. You know, you get a feel for the themes you get a feel for, uh, the, just the, the climate of the world. I don't mean temperature, but just like what you're trying to portray. And I'm not saying run that fictional world the way that they wrote it. Just use that to understand how the world flows. Here's the thing, though. You're going to find that the books absolutely are mired in where the rules come from. Unlike classic World of Darkness relating to Vampire, they released some books that were off the pale. Mm -hmm. They were wonk. You know, they were a little out there. Right. Um, we we, We were deciding whether or not eventually we'll get around to the novels of it. There are a lot of them. It's a canon story, but it's hard to take an author who is free to write about the material because they could be inspired by it and just write their version of it with some elements in there enough to be considered a White Wolf product. Then their Requiem, though, I feel they launched those with that in mind because it helps you digest the world. Right. And there are a series of books that surround the, the, the Chicago book. Which is written in there, and those books are fantastic. Yeah, those are the, basically the ones I was referencing specifically because yeah. I read those, and I was like, I have a totally different opinion of Requiem now because I, you know, I was like everybody else. Ah, I don't even care. I don't want to read it. I don't want to know it. Man, 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 it's new. It's stupid. I hate it. Well, I mean, read it. You know, give it a chance. A baby doesn't like uh, crushed peas from a can. Right. Until I don't. You, uh, I don't want to eat Brussels from a jar. Right. right, you gotta you gotta get a teach. You gotta do the airplane. Right, you have to learn. You have to right exactly. So, anyways, mature role play. Right, you know. Let, let's <laughs> let's uh, let's not spend that uh, any more time. Well, hopefully, we've given you some insight. We've helped you out in your question, and hopefully, it uh, helps you in your further endeavors as a storyteller. And that's the other thing too: storytell. Don't don't game master it. Storytell it. Yep, that's it. Um, next question is from one of our Patreon backers, Nathaniel Starr. I love the podcast and have been getting into nerd words for the extra vampire talk. Thank you. We appreciate it. The question I have concerns specialties. I'd like to know how you recommend using them. Uh, Do you have to tie them to specific roles that happens in the game? How specific do you like them to be? Some of the examples appear to uh, be nothing more than similes of the ability or attribute that they are tied to. If you have a stamina of four and you choose one of the example specialties from the V20 book, tough as nails, when would that specifically come into effect? What specialty do you recommend for stamina, for example? More examples for different abilities and attributes would be great. Thanks. Love the show. I love this. Nathaniel, you're going to love my answer and you're going to hate it. Specifically relating to stamina, if you read the Kindred Physiology, they don't breathe. They don't have a cardio system. So they don't get tired. Right. They don't get fatigued. So when somebody, like, like, was it tireless stamina or whatever it's called tireless just to train tireless when does that include something when is when does that matter well the point is you gotta understand not every person made out of the system is a vampire that's meant for mortals right obviously if if a player ever takes tireless in my game i don't tell them not to it's your wasted specialty right you're already tireless you know but that doesn't mean you get an extra die in every scenario right right but that's my rule call you may say oh man good call Every roll of stamina, you now get that extra die because you took tireless. Right. To me, I use what makes sense. So I would tell them, eh, maybe change it because you're dead now. Right. I'll let you repick it, but pick something that makes sense is where, where I go into with that. Secondly, when it comes to specialties overall, you'll find that the skills or the abilities, we'll just call them, that's what they are. They're not free form, but they wet the whistle. Right. They're there to get you started. So something like, for instance, crafts. Crafts specifically states that you could take a specialty early to signify what you're good at. 
Right. I think even in V20, it says you have to. Right. Like, you have to pick one at the beginning. My biggest pet peeve is when someone takes something like Crafts and tries to be Michelangelo and Bob Vila. <laughs> right. you know what i mean they try to do yep, both like absolutely. one is synonymous with the other and i'm like right. are you missing the point of this right and clearly you are that's my first red flag indicator as a player there's a malfunction right you're in it to clearly gain the game the system's not meant for that like what are you what's your concept and focus on that please right and apply I, I, and I, I think that that's a really important thing to note for all players for everybody that plays vampire the masquerade and all storytellers who run it the game is about telling a story it's not about your stats because guess what we are all at character creation on equal footing right and you pick your abilities you pick your attributes based on the point scenario that you get so there's no rolling dice there's no right there's no extra chance like oh i'm gonna be i'll have an 18 strength and not to pick on games that use that but it's a different scenario and you have to realize these specialties they should be something that describes your character. For sure. You shouldn't be taking them because, oh, man, that's going to give me an added benefit. Now, when would be appropriate to take tough as nails? Well, when your character is a badass, tough dude, you know, you're a, you're a biker, you're an old, grizzled uh, soldier, you're a what, whatever. Whatever reason your character would have to be tough as nails, that's why you should take it. Well, when would be appropriate to use it? Well, when you're getting smashed in the face by a two-by-four. Hey, I'm tough as nails. Can I use that? Or maybe you're penalized because you're missing a limb. Right. Or something got tore up, and that's and that's the thing. Like, one of the most shocking things about people is that when they go to do combat in Vampire, they realize that I could be missing a, a chunk of my spine or a chunk of my brain and still function. That's that's just weird to me. Well, you're dead. <laughs> well, you're dead, and, and that's going to happen. And normally, you'd be writing up a new character right the fuck now, but right, it turns out right. you're immortal. Right. And that's not going to in instantly kill you. Absolutely. Here. It's just going to make living really, really painful. Right. For me, whenever I take a specialty, the reason why I take it, you know, obviously I'm granted it, so I should take it. But I'm I'm taking that specialty because it's something that would better and further describe my character. For certain. I, I don't really care about the benefits of it. And what it comes down to is that your storyteller is going to be the final say on whether or not that specialty would make sense in this scenario. So it's hard to say, like, what should you take? You should take what describes your character. You should take what represents what your character is, not the points on your sheet, because that's that doesn't matter. It's right. not important. It's what better describes verbally your character, and the character an, you created, the background. And here's an internal housekeeping tip that I do do. To expression. Expression is sort of a misnomer. Now, they define it to written material. Moving somebody... Uh, with with great uh, diction, dialogue, written in paper, communication, impactful communication. But I think that cheapens people are actually doing painting. You know what I mean? You're going to be doing that. You know, you could be expressive in the painting, but they tell you to just use the same old boring crafts roll right. for it. And I, I don't. I literally penalize players who don't see expression, and that crafting is tying together to make a beautiful art form. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because with, with crafts or, you know, with something like that where you're painting, like you can go to school and you can learn the the you know the necessary tools to paint right you right. can learn the technique that's teachable however expressing yourself through that is different like exactly. i've seen plenty of people that call themselves artists that you know like a technical artist think of like someone who who draws like the insides of human beings for textbooks right now those people are technically skilled they have a craft they've been able to apply it however are they then able to take that technical ability that, you know, I can make photographic images with a pencil and pen? Are they then able to express an emotion from themselves with that skill? And who knows? Maybe they can. But, you know, for the sake of the what he's saying, what if they just see it as a job? Right, right, exactly. Right? Is It's not going to be as, as impactful. Expression is not about you being able to feel looking at something. It's about you being able to conceptualize a project that when you design it, make it, or write it, it has an impact of emotional value to whoever reads it. Love it or hate it, it is remembered. It right. resonates. And that's the point of it. That, I hope, should answer your question more than a little bit. And I would advise you to use your own method, in right. particular for your games. If it's one of those things where you're like, nah, not at all. Crafts, crafts, use for a catch-all. Eh, do it. Yeah, yeah, That's absolutely. what the book says. Do it. You know, and to, and, and to further the concept of, of specialties, 
you know, when I storytell, if somebody's like, hey, there's, I want to use this term that describes me, but it's not one of the examples. I'll think about it and go, okay, is this something that makes sense? Awesome, you can have it. You're To me, you're not bound by that book because they couldn't give you every single and they adjective even state to, that. to, right. They have a little section about that. They, hey, knock yourself out. Right. Like, no way are we going to put in waste ink, describe everything. We gave you enough to go right. run with the ball, right? That's it. Right. So, yeah, take that for what it is. So, all right, moving right along. Thank you for your questions, folks. Thank you for your support. So Thank you for, or is it just two? No, it's just the two. Okay. Uh, it just looks like three because one of them is an email. Um, so, anyways, also I wanted to note just a correction or an addendum. Um, we did the Revelations of the Dark Mother. That may have come out after the revised uh, uh, update. And uh, it's, it, sometimes it's a little hazy because some of these dates, depending on where you look, are specific some of them are just like 98 so it may have come out just, it doesn't really affect anything as far as like the book is concerned i just want to go on the record nate's real anal about it i didn't even want to bring it up <laughs> um and I'll, I'll tell you why we're guys we're podcasting for entertainment something right. we love and we're going over um we fired our lot our logic our logician department to help you out they're right. fact finders clearly they failed they're fired right. we got reamed <laughs> out by the boss that we have and it turns out that we better just get on our a-game right. you know, that's what they said that you know hey do better guys we're like all right Cool. All right. So moving right along, just to save all those those comments that we may get, we're going to take a look at World of Darkness Hong Kong. Um, it is a Vampire the Masquerade release. It has the Vampire the Masquerade logo on it. Um, and um, you're the Lotus Emblem, though, too. Right, right. It is. It is the Vampire the Masquerade uh, book for Year of the Lotus. That's what that's what this year is. And what is Year of the Lotus? Well, Year of the Lotus is um, their theme, White Wolf's theme for this year, wherein it is all sort of an Asian sort of feel to it, right? Eastern. Yeah, an Eastern, an Asian, you know, and uh, it's to, I I believe, to drum up interest in their new line, Kindred of the East. Um, And there's some other, there's a werewolf line. um, Can we say belief if it absolutely is yeah yeah i was just saying belief to be very like like uh light-handed you know (laughs) i i I wanted to use you know just the white glove there but i'm i'm not really going to do that moving forward here because there's some things i want to state about the state of this book now before we get into this me and nate actually had a long discussion yeah about this book because uh we were were both going to read it to go through it and we did uh but there is some material that honestly for a podcast why we're able to do three books we're not going to dive into it deep because you're not going to like, if you're just listening to this to know about vampire, we're, we're going to do Kindred the East at a later date on yeah. its own. We di- haven't yet. And this book assumes that we have, right. That you have. And it's sort of a mis- misnomer for the audience. Right. But as they pointed out, they released it as a vampire, the masquerade yeah. book. We have to go through it. And to me, it wasn't an ethical decision. It wasn't a moral one. It was just like, how do I do that? How do we do this? And make it engaging. The right. answer is we're just going to do it neutral as is right. objectively. So basically, you know, what after we talked, my feeling on the subject was we do reviews of Vampire the Masquerade books. And we should do all of our reviews from the perspective of we don't know anything about any of the other games. We haven't reviewed any of the other books. And frankly, they're not imperative to you as a vampire player. They shouldn't be. You play vampire. You listen to this because you play vampire. All your other knowledge aside, we don't care about that. We don't want to make assumptions you know anything. We want to right. make assumptions you followed us from book one to today. And having said that, this is only in the loosest sense of the word of Vampire the Masquerade book. In the loosest. To me, Vampire the Masquerade makes a special guest appearance <laughs> right. in the world of Hong Kong. You know, if Hong Kong were a movie, they'd be a bit part. That's it. Now, what this book is, at its core, if you were like, man, I love all the White Wolf games. I love werewolves. I love the Kindred of the East. I just got their main book. It's freaking awesome. Wraith, Mummy. Right. I love Wraith. I love Mummy. I love Mage. Man, I even love the Hunters. Awesome. You found the book. Because this is what this book is. It is one of those mixed bag cities. But really... Like we said, vampires a bit part. And to make it make sense a little bit, why would they do that? I don't fault the company at all. It's clearly a business decision. It's it's you know catering to the audience. At this point, conventions are big for LARP games. 
right? right? And when you run a four day convention, five day convention, depending on what you do, even if it's just a two or three day, you can't run a chronicle. You literally got two or three days to have a one shotter, basically, right? And the more people, the better at a convention. Unless you want a convention of like thirty people, maybe, right? You're going to open it up to other interests. And anyone who's ever ran a convention has heard right when they went there that, oh man, do you guys have werewolves with right. your vampire game? And then that'll net you like thirty people. Right. Come you, with them, but you've just doubled your number. Right. By doing it, 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 so how they, do you how do you ignore that? Right. So and that's where these books are coming from. Yep, absolutely. Like Hong Kong is the book to own if you want to run a mixed chronicle. If you have and and not only is it the book to run if you want to run a mixed chronicle, it's a book where you could have one Kathian vampire, one uh werewolf, one mage. Because they don't even follow the rules that the West follows. From reading this book, now, again, I don't know anything about Kindred of the East. I don't know anything about Asia. But it tells you, you know, these these creatures, they don't follow the same logic that the West follows. You can't automatically look at someone and go, oh, that's my enemy because he's a werewolf. Apparently, according to this, they follow more of a needs-based system. So we all have the same goal, or we all say, serve the same uh, idea, and that's why you can get them together like that in this book. So I had a friend tell me once that the complication of running a Kindred of the East game is getting Westerners to understand an Eastern methodology towards what the game is. I disagreed, because White Wolf are not, not anything Asian in terms of being the pros of the historical cultural aspects of it. However, they do take a stab at it as historians. They do take a stab at it as researchers to do the mythology right, to or give a version of it, to pull their inspiration from it. And they do a hell of a job doing that. They absolutely do. And if you own Kindred of the East, this is the book. And uh, to complement with it, because you need it as sort of a, uh, what am I thinking of? Uh, a code. It helps you decipher the terminology. Never before in a book are you going to see more terms thrown around or characters built that are so different right. from what you're used to in this book. That it's rather confusing. Oh, absolutely. However, I do know Kindred of the East. However, like Nate said, the relationship we have here, you the listener and us the podcasters, is that we said 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade. In that 25 years, other product lines for Vampire have come out, but this is dealing with Vampire Common, the most popular. Right. Is what we're going with. I hate the term common, but popular. Right. And then we'll go through the others as they come. Now, this book in Hong Kong, that's the difficulty. Right. Because the majority are the Cathayans or the kindred of the East, if you will. Right. And they use tons and tons and tons of their society terminology, of what they are, of what they do, of their purposes, that would seem foreign to a lot of people. So it'd be a lot of work to understand the book. That doesn't mean it's a bad book. It means pack a lunch. Right, absolutely. Now, one of the things that they tell you in the book is that, uh, hey, you know what? We understand a lot of this stuff is going to be totally different than what you're used to. Well, you know, just, I mean, treat everything like it's kind of like a discipline. You know, there's a little conversion chart in the back of the book. And, you know, don't worry if you don't understand the terms. Don't worry. There's kind of a similar breakdown between A, B, and C. I know what you're thinking. Bob, is there an example? Yes, there's several. Like, Demon Wind is a power <laughs> right, right. that the Kindred of the East get. And let me tell you, it is a Demon Wind that they're tapping into to be able to use that power. Take a moment. What does that power do? Does it summon hellish winds? Mm-mm. Does it does it rain fire down upon someone from the sky and the wind is the dry? Nope. Is it celerity, Bob? Well, that's what they're going to tell you. <laughs> right. <laughs> they're going to tell you it's basically celerity. I'm going to tell you, no. Nah. No. Nah. It's not the same thing. The origins of the power are far more important than the mechanical function of the power. Right. And they're telling you, basically... Hey, man, if you want to use this book and you don't have the cool, super awesome Kindred of the East book, we got you covered. Just convert it to its retarded cousin equivalent. Right. Yeah, And, and, and it's fundamentally, I think that's the big issue here is that uh, there, there are six vampires in this book, right? You, you get a city book and you're like, man, there's going to be like, you know, at least a dozen and a half characters in there. All I the faces in the book. Right. However... There's 20 of the Kindred of the East. There's, <laughs> you know, there's 15 mages. There, you know, like it is filled to the brim with all these other breeds of supernatural creatures that at this point in, in our podcast, you haven't read at all. 
you haven't gone over. Did you know that they have a thousand hells? <laughs> right. I, right, Jack. That's not a maybe. Right. <laughs> I got the book. It's a thousand hells. Some of the people in Hong Kong are from the book. Right. Like they they tie to it in the machinations. You have to know it. Political intrigue and cutthroat politics was mastered by by the Asians right. long before we get it. And Hong Kong holds that tradition in that book. So your six vampire canites, and that's the term yep. canites to yep. Cathayans. Yep. They know jack squat about what's going on in this. I would say the book's golden, and it's the only way I would use it if we're going to stay strictly to canine play. Right? Is that here? You guys are. You're in this chantry section of the city, and you're trying to make Hong Kong yours. Good luck. <laughs> right, right. Uh, it's not. It's not a hospitable place for the European vampires for the canines. Um, so. Again, we're not going to spend a lot of time on it. Um, you know, it does what all of the other books do. It gives you a little bit more as well because it starts to give you an idea of what the Kindred of the East line is, what the philosophies are, what the belief system is, what where they where they come from. But they do it in a very, I don't know, I'll use air quotes, Eastern way. You know, it's it, it very much seems to be like, the philosophical Eastern, you know, uh, five rings type of type of deal. Right. But then they also give you geography. They give brass you, tacks. you know, right. Yeah. They give you all the brass tacks, but they, uh, they, you, this is the last thing I'm going to say about this book. <laughs> you as a storyteller need to be top tier in your knowledge. You need to know six different, uh, lines you need to know those powers you need to know how to describe them or you could do none of that and equate what they do to celerity which to me is a waste of time at this at its base level like i was saying the aspect of this book from a can perspective is storyteller know everything in the book top to bottom all the characters what they're about where it comes from and then know what not to show so you can you can hold the aspect the alienation feel of being there, of the fact that you are the outsider. You absolutely are uh, being Western. And that's help. That's not just a prejudice. It's a fact. You're an invader of a sort, right? And it's, well, it's not even true. Even by this time, you're there. Culturally, they, from a very highbrow perspective, if I was from the Ming dynasty, and, and that's when I became a kindred of the East, and I'm watching the world evolve in my descendants, I can't control them. Right. The wheel must turn. Right. It is against me to control them. However, I can live amongst them. Right. And I have no choice. Why? I'm not a good thing. And I know that. But I'm trying to aspire to live a better life, which is the point. Right. But then here come the Western devils with their promises of easier lives and ways to be and their Coca-Cola and their pizza and all this other stuff. And I'm watching my descendants get lazy. You know, as there's, you know, we're booming. People are living longer. Technology and science and everything else. A lot of my people are coming up with, at the same token... I'm watching them forget their traditions and from where they came from. That is a fantastic perspective to role play through there. And to that, you as a storyteller have to get that perspective and know that nuance. So right. when you have the Tremere player that's going to sit there and be like, yeah, what's up, Oliver Thrace? Here's the idea to climb the pyramid. I'll get you what you want. Why settle for Hong Kong? Let's go to Beijing. I'll smoke 10 people, make an example, infiltrate. I'll dominate the shit out of people. Won't the whole damn area. No problem. I'll be right back. That's typical Western barbarian thinking. Right. What you don't know is that there's Ying, Ying Ding Ma, the howling devil tiger, that will hunt you down with a 10th dynasty star strike <laughs> to end you. And if that makes sense to you, you too have read Kinder of the East. If it doesn't make sense to you, but you're a fan of John Woo or Quentin Tarantino, as we love Pai Mei. Right. There you are. We can meet there. And if you don't know either, don't. Get this book and try. Don't right, stumble right. through it. This is uh, this is apparently the final book in the second edition, and it came out just a few months before revised. But I don't know that that plays into this at all. I don't no. believe it does because we're dealing with a brand new game system, and this book is meant like the picture, the artwork on the front of this book. If I was in a store in 1998 and this came out and I saw Hong Kong Vampire of the Masquerade. This would be in my cart. This would be on my shelf. And when I got home, I would 
throw it in the trash because I don't know anything about what's going on in here. And that's not to say this is a bad book. However, Nate was describing my feelings when I got the book. I was a collector. White Wolf would make it. I wouldn't question I would buy it and bring it home because it's the king of finding a use for it. I mean, we're talking at this point, this book came out. I'm in a heyday of me running my shtick. Yeah. Of me doing my thing. I have 100 plus people coming to be entertained. Yep. Anything White Wolf wants to throw out, I got to know. Right. Because some joker is going to bring it up to me. Fun fact, when this launched, I saw so many ninja concepts. <laughs> so many ninja concepts. And, when I, and I've read the book. I'm like going, You're, there's no fucking ninja. What are you doing? And they're right. like, oh, well, I digress. But the point is, I get the book. I bring it back. So my players see it on the coffee table. And they're like, Bob, have you read that book? Yep. What's wrong? I have to read this big red book with green writing on it before I can <laughs> right. get into it. like, why? This makes that book make sense. If I don't have this book, it doesn't make sense. And they were like, well... Well, that seems bullshit, bro. You like know everything, White Wolf. No, nope. no, I don't. Uh, this is the higher level class, the master's course, and uh, it's Eastern religion yep. and philosophy. I have to read it. And and the game Kindred of the East, it's been out for many, many years, almost 20 years. And I tried to read it once, and I just I couldn't get into it. That's me. has nothing to say about anybody else. Do you like old Kung Fu flicks? Oh, I do. Do you like uh, Samurai? Oh, I, I like all that stuff. Duty and everything else? I like all that stuff. But did you like it all from the perspective of watching it on TV? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Did you Have you read the, the Five Rings? I have, yes. The Tao Te Ching? I have not, no. Okay, okay. Well, then we're failing on one level only. Right. I would say it's weird that you didn't groove to the book. I, I just couldn't, couldn't make a connection. To me, it was very much like... Did, did you ever see the Patton Oswalt skit where he talks about when, when they're making the the pre-trilogy, the the uh, prequel trilogy. And of he, he of, I'm sorry, I just assumed you knew based no, on didn't. trilogy of Star Wars. Okay, okay. And he's talking about how George Lucas is like, hey, do you like Darth Vader? Do you like the Force? Do you like the Empire? <laughs> All right, well, how about we show you how he got started? And it's like, hey, do you like ice cream? How about rock salt? <laughs> how, about, how about cream? Here, here's some rock salt, here's some cream. Like, I like to watch it. Right. I like to visually, uh, you know, I, I like Kung Fu. I like martial arts films. I don't know if I ever wanted to what I, make it. You what know? I will tell you is that the Hong Kong book, how I always wanted to use it. I mm -hmm. have wanted to run a game from Hong Kong. Yeah. And I would love to play in one, too. Don't get me wrong. I haven't found the audience who seemed to have the interest. Right. Because what's cool about the Hong Kong book is I like that feeling of alienation for the players because it has a feeling of making them feel like your focus is on them always. Right. And that you have to help them understand what's going on. Right. And they will be attacked from several angles or people will try to bully them or ostracize them because the guess what? They don't want you in China. <laughs> right. So that's the deal. And you're, right, you're invading right. literally. So there's there are cool elements you can do. And I love uh, Eastern uh, philosophy. I love uh, the Eastern mythology. I'm fascinated with. Right. Just to read it. But I'm a dirty barbaric Westerner. Like, don't ever forget that. So when I when I go through that, it's like, you know, this is this is awesome shit. You know, it's a great culture. When you apply their version of what a vampire is, as White Wolf created to make enough of a distinction from their own mythology, I, I'm awed that that much effort went into it, and they were able to mechanically yeah. make that much of a difference. And, and that's why I say, if, you, if you're a fan of a, like a Hong Kong action flick John Woo film, you can use the Hong Kong book. Just remember, you're not using it to go up against anything but super beings. Right, right. Like really, really just to hammer it home, this is a great book for storytellers who have all the knowledge you know every white wolf line you know all the details all the ins and outs you're fully immersed in their meta plot pick up hong kong if you're just a vampire storyteller if you're just a vampire player and you're like oh hong kong vampire awesome this will be great it won't be it will not be so from a vampire the masquerade perspective this is not a good book from a world of darkness perspective it's a great book, yep. but you need to know your shit, but regardless you of what they say. A kindred of these fan. Right. You better be. So, Hong Kong. Oh, uh, and before you think, well, I'm a werewolf fan. You said werewolves are in it. <laughs> yeah, but not really. <laughs> uh, they have a different court system right. called the Henge Yokai. You need that book. Yep. Why? Trust me when I say you need that book to help you with that. Because there are terms in there that does tie in the plots that you can use to tie into that book. Which I believe will be released sometime near this book. In the white wolf or in the werewolf, uh, there you go. Uh, line. So yeah, um, 
I believe it's one of the Year of the Lotus books. Don't quote me on that. It doesn't really matter one way or the other, um, but probably it is. So thank you, Hong Kong, World of Darkness. Mm, well, you know, you know what you do. All right. Uh, moving right along, we are at Level Up, Vampire the Masquerade Revised Edition. So a revision is not like a whole new edition, right? No. It's just revising the rules from second edition. And they went, what, six years before they revised it? Yeah. Awesome. You know, went a pretty decent amount of time. And this book, The Vampire the Masquerade Revised Edition, it's pretty great. It's pretty fantastic. However, we can't spend an hour going over every little intricate detail and change. I think if we had 20 minutes, although actually let me take that back, I didn't think we were going to go 15 with Hong Kong and we made an effort. Right, but I think so. we I think we did a lot of like emphasizing <laughs> yeah restating the same thing in right. a more right impassioned right. way yes right. very much right. very much so uh same deal with vampire the masquerade um you know the book we it's a, a little bit of a visual update i mean same basic principle green background got the flower on the cover and a new design new font of the vampire the masquerade logo which will continue uh for quite some time um some things that i would note that seem a little bit different uh, one, it seems a bit more organized than the previous version. And of course, you're going to learn from what you put out already, make it a little bit easier for players to find what they're looking for. A revision. Right, exactly. And uh, they do seem to spend a little bit more time in the beginning of this going over the clans, the different sects, what they mean, the rules, the traditions. They give you a very in-depth explanation on what the traditions of the Camarilla are what the positions of the Camarilla are, and that's to wet your whistle. Because very soon, there's going to be whole books based on the Camarilla and the Sabbat to give you so much detail, right? And they give you the clans. And the one thing that's a little bit different in here, and they start to allude to, you know, changes are coming, right? <laughs> they talk about the Asimite clan and how they were unable to indulge their bloodthirsty nature and quench their thirst on the blood of other vampires but that seems to have changed and that's basically the detail that they give you that now the ass might seem a bit more bloodthirsty um what they do as well is they give you your camarilla clans your your seven they give you your sabbat clans uh your mouth dominate the demontation shift right and they give you the other independent clans the ravnos the asimites etc um they give you all that um, but basically, what are we looking at here? We're looking at a revision of the rules. We're looking at some ability changes, some discipline updates, some some very small but very important changes to the rule system. But it's a core book. It's exactly what it is. If you had the first ed, just do what I did, keep it for posterity, but... right. He'd use the second ed once it came out, which is exactly what I did. Yep. Which, this became obsolete when V20 came out. Right, absolutely. We have, I think, four or five of these hardcover books on our shelves, and we just can't use them. Yeah. They, they just, they're meaningless now. But as far as, like, a revision of the core rules are concerned, uh, it's great. Awesome. You did a great job. Um, I'm sure there were people that were complaining about it, but I don't recall them. No. Uh, I don't ever remember hearing a negative thing about no, it. No. Well... The big controversy was the dominate the demontation. Right. That I remember most of all, because if you were diehard uh, slapstick milk, right, it was the end of your world. Right. You no longer have dominate. Sorry, move on. If you had demontation, you were a sabbat, and they were like, no, nope, no, nope, it's not what it means. Right. It's called the grand prank. Right. And and what you're going to find in here, in very subtle ways, is that they're working towards in this revised edition, they're working towards Gehenna. They're working towards the the time of thin blood they're they're you know they're beginning to stir that pot of prophecy which is going to be a major theme throughout the line of revised uh do you need it for your game no because <laughs> you can truth. get v20 you do not need this book as as much as i like this book as much as we've used it over the years it, it was the mainstay up until v20 came out and v20 made it obsolete so because in the same podcast, it's the same vernacular as this. If it was a change like Kindred of the East is, the basic vampire, they need the book. Right. But it's the same thing. It's right. the same vampire, everything. They just 
polished it, updated it, made the changes they needed to to make it more streamlined, hence the revision. Right. And uh, that is a Vampire the Masquerade revised core rule book. Thank Word. you. Moving on now to the third book that we should discuss. And the reason why we're lumping this in is because, <coughs> pardon me, as far as I'm concerned, and almost as far as they're concerned, because they almost state as much, this book, The Vampire Storyteller's Companion, is essentially like the stuff they couldn't fit in the core rule book, right? What are we going to find in here? We're going to find some bloodlines. We're going to find the Daughters of Cacophony. Hey, look, they get a full two-page spread. You get to know about their organization. You get to know about the disciplines that they use, who they embrace, what they look for. You get the Salubri. They're a bloodline. And uh, again, two-page spread. And the third and final, the Samedi or the Samdi, however you wish to pronounce it, whatever's clever. And uh, the same thing. Then we get kind of uh, along the lines of what we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, chapter two, secondary abilities. Yep. And these secondary abilities, so in insofar as uh, we, we talked about like kind of the, the obsoleteness of the revised edition core rule book, I don't necessarily agree that these are obsolete. I, I feel, don't agree there. I feel that many of these, even if they've been reprinted, some of them have, but some of them have not. And I think that this is worthwhile because it gives you some abilities, some secondary abilities that are really, really cool that can help you to flesh out the specific intricacies of your character. You know, you have things like uh, grace and instruction and lores. There's tons of lores, right? And And what level of knowledge that might give you and I think that this is worthwhile because my personal belief about abilities is abilities don't go away. They may change how abilities work. They may remove some because they overlap. But these secondary abilities, they work a little bit different. Right. They don't have the same XP expenditure cost. They don't cost you the same at character creation. So to me, that's worthwhile to have this book alone. Um, then after we get through the large section of secondary abilities, we learn about the disciplines, right? And these are disciplines for those bloodlines that we talked about. Um, it's great if you're playing second ed revised, but again, as far as I'm aware, this is something, this is a section that V20 makes obsolete because V20 kind of collects all the stuff, right? All the disciplines, all the bloodlines, as much as they could cram into this giant tome they put in right so it's good for second edition revised to have these disciplines to have them all the way up i believe as high as they go um you know level eights level nines level tens um but it's not super important to your current game uh because those disciplines would have been revised and then at the end of the book what do we have we've got a grand section of weapons so yeah, um, that's, I mean, the weapons chart, like, why right. would we go over it? I mean, right. it's, it's there for you to see, to note. It is in-depth, more than they've had oh, in other books yeah. up to this point. Absolutely. But other than that, like, unless you're diehard weapons guy, pretty much it is what it is. Right. So um, that's essentially the the full quantity of what's in this book. Um, is it worth spending $15 on? Yeah. I think so, and here's why. He just said it, right? And it's not for the clans in it. It's for the secondary ability section. They don't touch on it in V20 at all because they're kind of like, here's all the abilities you need. Right. You know, add more as you like, but we're not going to make another book of secondary abilities. They threw it out there, and really it's to say, you know, if there's other stuff out there you want to create, here's a book of examples. Right. Right? If there's if there's a skill a player wants or a talent that they don't see in the base and they want to be a little different, here it is. The secondary abilities are cheaper to get because they're specific. Right. They're not catch-alls. You know, like I think uh, Boatry or whatever the hell it is in there. It's the kind <laughs> of like shipping. I, don't, I forget the name of it, but it's literally how to just seafaring. It may even be called um, how to just what it does, right? right? How to operate a ship, be in a ship, know a ship, ship and shipping. Right. And that's it. You're not rolling that with law to figure, you know what I mean? Right. You're not going to do anything but unless it's ship related. That's the only time right. it's ever going to come into play. It's going to be few and far between, but if I used to be a pirate and it's now modern, 
might be worth noting. I have that right. skill. Absolutely. You know, if I if I used to be a con man and a performer and and charlatan, I might want to know how to use ventriloquism. I want I might yeah. want to know how to throw my voice. Well, that's where you can find it. Sleight of hands in there. Right. You ain't gonna find it under subterfuge. Right. You know what I mean? So Yeah. So in my opinion, like it's definitely a book, you know, if you could pick it up on PDF, it's worth the price, you know, to pick up on PDF just to have access to those lists. Um, And there are some other things, too. You know, if you're a weapon heavy, weapon centric storyteller, you may want to have this very large list of weapons. Um, You know, that may be very useful to you. Um, To me, like you can pretty much you know, go off of what's in the base book and kind of figure it out from there. But they did release a book called combat. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm the familiar with it. Of beating ass. And if you're familiar, that's everything based on what? Uh, it's based on combat. Yeah. Combat. It's, it's uh martial arts styles, weapons and weapons. Now usage. correct me if I'm wrong, but at one time, didn't white wolf release a street fighter. They role did. playing game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. With their own, hey, you laugh at it? That was fucking fun. I bet. I, played I never played it. There's a little card system thrown in for whatever. Yep. It was. It literally felt like you were playing an in-depth RPG with cards right. for a combat system, and there was a lot of fighting for it. And no one beat my wrestler. <laughs> I always had the right move every right. round. It's a fun right. time. So hopefully all of you folks out there listening can understand why we didn't spend an hour on each of these books. Because there really isn't an hour's worth of material. I, I didn't think we'd spend a half an hour on Hong Kong, but lo and behold, we did. But I'll just uh, I'll, I'll summarize what we've talked about. As far as the revised edition is concerned, it was a great update. It was a well-put-together book. That, and both from a, a production standpoint and just actually putting together a physical book. Like these books, some of them are a little beat up now. But we've had them for, what, almost 20 years. Right. And they've gotten nearly 20 years worth of use from our tabletop group. And so physically, they're put together well. So if you can track one down for, you know, if you're a collector, you want to collect one, great. Track one down and pick it up and put it on your shelf. If you are starting today to play Vampire the Masquerade, unfortunately, this book really needs not apply to you. You don't have to purchase it because you can get everything you need in v20 and that's awesome uh, storyteller's companion really should have been wedged into that book but it wasn't so for what it's worth you know pick it up for the abilities um other than that i mean i think we're pretty much done yeah that's that's everything i would like that a footnote when we ordered kindred of the east we'll retouch on hong kong again yeah but that's when the the podcast when when right. uml right. is caught up to Right. Everything kindred of the East, and then we'll breathe life into that to get more in depth. Yeah. I think that uh, reviewing it from the perspective of the vampire uh, players' like base, it's it's just too diametrically different from everything that you've, you've played. So it really isn't going to do you a service. But anyways, I think we beat that one into the ground. Um, it depends. I think we can still get glue for the hooves. <laughs> How tender do you want your meat, I suppose? So uh, let's take a look and see what's coming up in our podcast. Um, we did level up. We are at revised. And revised, I think for a lot of people, it's probably the time in the game that they appreciate most. Because I feel like it was really super popular during revised. Um, let's see what's coming up next. Really, them hot clam books. That's where. It oh got. yeah, no, the that's 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 where it starts to get good. So, um, uh, we'll we'll position it like this: the Giovanni Chronicles four is our next book, and we skipped over three because we wanted to do three and four together. Right. So next week, do you want to do three and four? That, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, sounds good to me. So next week, we're going to complete. We're going to finalize finally the Giovanni Chronicles. We're going to review books three. Uh, which is The Sun Has Set, and books for, I'm going to butcher this, Nueva Melodia. I don't know what that means, but anyways, Giovanni Chronicles 3 and 4, we'll finally wrap that up and uh, see where that takes us into the modern era. So cool. Um, Send us your questions to our Facebook. Please, you know, we love answering your questions. Um, There was a commercial at the beginning of the podcast. Just follow 
follow the Yellow Book Road in that sense. Um, otherwise, until next week, I'm Nathan. And I'm Bob. And we'll talk to you again. I'm Tendency